0: Uh, church family and support so thank you everybody who came into membership for setting that example we have a rose on the table this morning Um, I just want to share with you Bob and Ashley Brazy a week ago today welcome to Riker Brazy a newborn uh, who was seven pounds nine ounces and is home now Uh, there were some uh, medical things that they were dealing with over the last couple days but those are resolved and he's home and healthy and so we celebrate with them Um, he has a lot of relatives in the church I'm not even going to try and list them all So we're thankful for the Brazy family and for Riker, this newborn. Would you join with me in a word of prayer this morning? Please bow your heads. Father, we come before you asking for uh, humility and for your way to be our pursuit. Father, we ask uh, that you would break our spirits for ourselves and uh, have our focuses be entirely you. You are powerful and holy. And we come to worship you today for your glory and not our humanity. Father, we often forget this and forgive us when we do, but you are you and we are we, and that means something, God. And um, we ask that when we forget that, you continue to be gracious, and we praise you for that grace. Uh, We need you, and our selfish pursuits are in vain. Lord, I would just pray that you give me and my brothers here, humility and a brokenness to see where we are uh, in great need of confession to you, Lord, in great need of your power and of your spirit and of your grace and mercy in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your patience, for your love, for your consistent pursuit of your people. When I unintentionally elevate myself to a place I don't belong, Lord, thank you for still loving me. You are so worthy of following We affirm that together as a congregation this morning. Lord, we do pray for the needs that we know about, the needs that we don't know about, all those that are there. We thank you for this new baby. We pray that uh, Riker would grow uh, healthy and in favor with God and man. We also pray for our missionary Beth Grimm, who's headed soon to Guatemala. I pray that you would uh, provide the needs she has for this trip, um, as well as Resourcing for the team she's going to be working with, specifically the five who you've put together uh, to interact with her as they care for people and um, teach them about you, spread the gospel around the globe. We praise you for that and pray for her safety. Lord, these things we bring to you as part of our worship this morning, and we pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to be reading this morning from Psalm 119. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to open and turn with me to Psalm 119. If you have, a device, uh, go ahead and flip it to Psalm 119. The scripture will be on the screen. These are, um, this is verses 97 through 104, and then we'll read Matthew 4, 4 as well. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. And Matthew 4, 4 says, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God.
1: Thank you very much, Pastor David. This book, this book is a life changer. It's a life changer. Let me ask you a question. Do you expect when you read the Bible, when you hear it read, when you come to services on a Sunday and you sit under the preaching of God's word, when you attend a Bible study and you join with others in opening the scriptures, do you expect that it will change your life? Do you expect that it will change the way you think? The way you talk to others and about others? Do you think that it will change the way you live your life? Do you believe that this book has that kind of power inherent in it? This weekend, we begin a brand new sermon series called First Things First. And it is intended over these next six weeks to help us learn the priorities of the Christian life so that we can grow deeply in our relationship with Jesus. That's how this entire series was designed. It was designed around those activities and practices that should be key priorities so that we can grow deeply in our relationship and know and follow Jesus very faithfully. And so we begin today with the Word of God, the practice of reading and studying and obeying The word of God. The first value of Grace Community Church is biblical, life changing truth in preaching, teaching, and worship. If you've been here any length of time, you know that we're a Bible believing church. We're a Bible teaching church. We're a Bible preaching church. We stand on the ground of God's inspired, infallible, that means fully trustworthy, and errant, that means without error, authoritative word of God. We don't worship the Bible. That would be called bibliolatry. We do not make the Bible an idol that we worship. We worship the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. However, we do believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Understand this. This book does not contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And that is a very important distinction. If we contend that this book only contains the Word of God, then we can also say, but it contains other things that may not be the Word of God. And so then we open the door to negotiate, compromise, and possibly argue that some parts of it are not applicable or no longer relevant. That's not true. This book is the Word of God by its very nature and every word in it. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, every part of every part of this book is indeed the word of God, and it gives us life. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter four, verse four, that Pastor David read for us. Uh, That passage is embedded In the larger story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And that's a pretty common story that, after or as he began his public ministry, he went into the wilderness for 40 days. He was tempted three times by the devil. And the very first of those temptations was being hungry. The devil said, Go ahead, I know you're hungry, turn those stones into bread. And Jesus said famously and powerfully, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And those words were actually Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He was quoting scripture. And for the next two temptations, all three together, he quoted the word of God from the book of Deuteronomy, quoting the word of God as the victor and the power over the tempter. This book, has the power to change your life. Now that power, the power of God's word is eloquently spoken about in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. In Hebrews 4, the writer to the Hebrews uses a word picture that was introduced to us back in September when we were studying Ephesians 6. And that is that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And so Paul picks up on that. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, he writes these words. I'd like you to read this with me. Let's read it together. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Every once in a while when I'm studying scripture and preparing to preach, I'll think, I wonder what Eugene Peterson uh, has to say about this. And, and Eugene Peterson is the man who paraphrased the Bible in what we call the message. And it's fresh and and new, and and actually, it's kind of like a commentary. Think of it that way. I wouldn't use it as my primary uh, Bible translation because it's not a translation. It's paraphrase, but it's fresh, and it gives us some insight. So I want you to see how Eugene Peterson takes this and paraphrases or gives us some insight. He writes this, God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and to obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's Word. I love this last sentence. We can't get away from it no matter what. We can't get away from it no matter what. These two verses in Hebrews chapter 4 tell us two very interesting truths about the nature of God's Word. And the very first one is this. The Word of God is living and active. The Word of God is living and active. That means that it is alive, it is at work in the lives of people who choose to read it and study it and obey it. There are those who will tell you that this is an outdated, irrelevant book. My goodness, how can a book that is thousands of years old be relevant to us today in the enlightened period that we live in called 2024? How in the world could this book contribute anything to us Let me tell you something about this book. It is alive and active because it is both anointed and relevant. It is anointed by the Holy Spirit. There is no other book of which that can be said. I don't care how good the author is. I don't care how much you love the author. They are not anointed by the Holy Spirit such that their word is inspired. This is the inspired word of God. Now listen, the way which that happened according to Peter was the spirit of God inspired individuals to put pen to parchment and to write out what we call the Bible and to do so as the spirit of God inspired them or directed them and then in church history we know that God's hand was upon the preservation of the Bible The canon of Scripture, the Old and New Testament books, so that we understand that this word is infallible, fully trustworthy, but it is also inerrant, it is without error, and for that reason it is authoritative, which means it is the authority by which we drive what we believe and how we live our lives." It is alive, it is active, it is anointed, and even though it might be thousands of years old, it is absolutely relevant to where we are today. Study it, and you will find its relevance. I love how the great reformer Martin Luther spoke about the nature of the Bible when he wrote that the Bible is alive, it speaks to me. It has feet, it runs after me, it has hands, and it lays hold of me. Second truth from Hebrews chapter 4 is simply this, the Word of God also goes where no one or nothing else is able to go. It has the sharpness and the force of a double-edged sword that when read and when heard can pierce to the very marrow of our bones. It can cause us to be laid open before the very eyes of God and he sees what is inside of us. In fact, he says in Hebrews 4, the Bible itself judges the thoughts and the attitudes of, of our heart. Now, when he says that, he is describing something akin to surgery. When a surgeon takes his scalpel and he uses his scalpel to open us up. So, what God is saying is, My word is like a scalpel, and I open up the recesses of your heart so you can see what is there, so that you can get rid of what shouldn't be there, and fill your heart with the things that I want that should be there that are pleasing and honoring to me. I can't tell you, I wish I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, they walk out of church and they say, you were preaching right at me. I saw you, I saw you look at me. I know you were preaching at me. No, I wasn't. Here's a practice of a good preacher. A good preacher never, ever writes a sermon just for one person to get at them. Preacher is one who thinks about its congregation, thinks about everyone who's going to be here, and then prays and asks the Lord to guide and direct the writing of that message. If ever you walked out of a sermon that I preached, or Paul, or Addison, or in any other church where someone else was preaching, and you felt like they were looking at you, and that, my goodness, how did they know? And, oh, my goodness, that applied to me. Let me tell you that that was the work of the Holy Spirit of God. He was tailoring his word to your heart and to your need. He was tailoring it to you. God speaks to us through his powerful word by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here is the central truth of this sermon. Through the power of his word in the power of his spirit, God wants to lay hold of each one of us and to change us from the inside out. I want you to read that with me. Through the power of his word, in the power of his spirit, God wants to lay hold of each one of us and change us from the inside out. That is a power packed statement. And to understand it, to understand how the word powerfully changes us and how to access that power, I want to take us this morning to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 has 176 verses. You are fortunate to be the 11 o'clock service with no one coming behind you. So we have all the time in the world. Start at verse 1, work our way through to verse 176. Everybody says amen? Amen. my word, okay, let's go. Now what we're going to do is we're going to look at four teachings from Psalm 119. It's inspired. This is God saying to us, This is my word. This is what it will do. How does the Bible powerfully change our lives? First of all, the Bible prevents sin. The Bible prevents sin. Say that with me. The Bible prevents sin. Now, the immediate pushback to that kind of statement is, Mike, no one is sinless. And you're absolutely right. No one is sinless. But every one of us can sin less. You hear that? No one is sinless, but every one of us can sin less. Well-traveled, often heard, you probably know it, the story of the little boy who was told by his mother, no more cookies. And what does he do? Goes into the kitchen, grabs the step stool, climbs up, opens up the cookie jar on top of the refrigerator, reaches in, and as he does, mom comes through the kitchen. What are you doing? I told you no more cookies. I'm sorry, Mom, I was walking past the refrigerator and my hand got stuck. (laughs) Silly? Ridiculous? It's exactly what our excuses sound like to the ears of God. Exactly what they sound like. If we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have resident in us the Holy Spirit of God who gives us the power to resist the devil and say no to temptation. The Holy Spirit of God, who gives us the power to sin less, not become sinless on this earth, that awaits heaven, but to sin less than we would. And so those excuses don't hold water because the Word of God is given to us so as to counter the temptation and sin in our lives. How do we know that? Without planning it, Alyssa read that portion of Scripture. But let's look at it again. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? Let's stop right there. Some of you are saying, well, I'm not a young man, so that doesn't apply to me. This is poetry, folks. This is how can anyone keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Now, here's what I understand to be true as a preacher. Today, God's word is going to either go in one ear and out the other, or it's going to go in one ear and down into your heart. And you need to decide where it's going to go. It will either go in one ear and out the other, and you'll walk out, and that was nice. Done church this week. I went there when it was bad weather, so really that's good. Or it goes in one ear, spends a little time right here, and makes its way into your heart. If you want the Bible to prevent sin in your life, you've got to take the word of God in, and you've got to meditate on it and allow it to become part of the fiber of your being. Meditation is the key. Now when I say meditation some people are like oh my goodness that's like you know monasteries and monastics no i have to be a preacher no i have to be like christianity 301 no meditation is really simple you know what meditation is it's when you slow down enough to think about what you just read that's all it is it's when you slow down enough to think about what you just read now i'll be very vulnerable here transparent and I don't know whether this has ever applied to you. For years, decades, I've had a habit of daily reading the Word of God. It's part of my life. It's part of my devotional life. I will tell you that there are far too many times in my life experience where I've read the Word of God, and five minutes later, I would be hard-pressed to tell you what I just read. I don't know if that's been your experience. It's been mine. And the reason for that is because there have been occasions in my life where I am reading to get it read so I can go on to the next thing. Okay? Now, meditation is when you slow down and you read it, these verses, and you ask yourself simple, three simple questions. What did I learn about God? Huh. I learned that God doesn't want me to sin. I learned that he's provided a way out because he doesn't want me to sin. What did I learn about myself? Well, I learned that I'm a sinner, That I, that I have a potential to stray, that I have the potential not to keep his commands. And so, what third question is, what should I do about me based on the Word of God? What difference should this make? Wow. Well, knowing who God is, knowing who I am, I get the differences. I need to allow the Word of God to get inside of me so that I'm not sinning against him or I'm sinning less than I was before. How do I do that? Well, I need to hide his word in my heart. I need to live according to it. I need to seek him with all my heart. Okay, I need to become more devoted. And that, friends, is meditation. You see, here's the deal. If you look at Jesus in the wilderness... He could have zapped the devil. He had the power. You know what he did? He quoted scripture and resisted the devil. Number one, the Bible prevents sin. Number two, the Bible renews our strength. Say that with me. The Bible renews our strength. Psalm 119, verses 25 and 28. I am laid low in the dust. Renew my life according to your word. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Later on in Psalm 119, this writer says, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have renewed my life. Now, the context of this is that the psalmist is describing a time in life when he experienced sorrow so deep that he felt a shattered spirit. He felt like life was closing in on him. He describes here a spiritual and emotional weariness. He is literally worn out like a dish rag that's been wrung out. Have you ever felt like that in life? Have you ever had that emotional and spiritual weariness that you just are literally worn out? Maybe something a little more accessible to you. Have you ever just kind of hit a wall in your life emotionally? You know, you've been going along well and everything's fine and all of a sudden oh my goodness, and you're just kind of tired. You're worn out. I didn't even think about this till the end of the 915 service, but I should have thought about the illustration of my own life was actually the week before Christmas. It was, kind of, it was an interesting week because, and I, I say this just as an illustration to help you understand where I was the week after uh, Christmas. The week before Christmas, I had four funerals, one on Monday, one on Tuesday, one on Thursday, and one on Friday. And I don't mind that. And I'm not saying that for anything other than that's what happened. And because of my life experience, if I can serve a family, I'll move heaven and earth to do that. So that's fine. Four funerals. Saturday and Sunday were our Christmas services. Two services Saturday, two services Sunday. No problem. Love to preach. Love Christmas. Great. Went through that time, you know, voice held out. Certain number of Wilbur buds each day. Help. I mean, just makes you... it really does. Makes it, makes it, well, yeah, now the Lord's not allowing me to say anything more about that, but anyway, I'll let that go. The middle of the next week, around about 29th and 30th, I hit a wall. I hit an emotional wall, I hit a spiritual wall, I hit a physical wall. It was like, just like that. I just felt like I had no strength, no strength whatsoever. Now, What's cool about this is that I had been during the month of December talking to the Lord about what He wanted me to do in my personal devotional time during 2024. And last year, I used John Stott's reading through the Bible for a year with John Stott, and that was great. And I chose to read his his, uh, portion of Scripture and his commentary on it, and then I read through the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, in 2023. So I said to the Lord, you know, what do I use? And I looked over my bookcase, and there was nothing there. And I thought, I'm going to read something from Tim Keller. And I looked it up online. Tim Keller, my favorite. He's with the Lord right now, but he pastored Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York. And um, I read about this book, The Songs of Jesus. Well, I don't remember Jesus ever singing. So what are the songs of Jesus? This is Tim Keller's devotional book on all 150 psalms. I thought, that's really cool. So I'm going to order this. I ordered this. I get it. And I look, this is like devotional light. I mean, this is really too light. I need something more substantial. Talk about arrogant. That was me. I need something more substantial. I didn't. January 1st rolls. I'm excited because on January 1st, we have homemade sauerkraut and pork. <laughs> After we watch the Rose Bowl parade. However in the morning I started this devotional and what you do here is you read a psalm or part of a psalm and then Tim Keller gives you insights into what it means. Very very helpful. Very accessible. Very easy. Then he offers a prayer and his suggestion is that you pray this prayer and allow it to marinate in your soul. Just Pray it and think about what you're praying. Don't be in a hurry. So I'm praying the prayer. Lord of the word, don't let me be seduced by the world, either naively going with the crowd or becoming a hardened cynic. Now, I have to be honest with you that when I read that, I thought, well, okay, I'm okay there. I'm not either one of those. I'm not going with the crowd or I'm not a hardened cynic. Now, whether I am or not, I had to ask Jesus about that. However, I got to this verse or this sentence. Help me meditate on your word to the point of delight. Mm. I sat back in my chair and I thought, to the point of delight. Man, that would be really cool if this year I could meditate on your word and every time I opened it would be delightful. Like I would really be excited about that. Okay, well, Lord, why don't we, yeah, okay. Lord, help me to meditate on your word to the point of delight. Then, give me stability and contentment regardless of the circumstances. How I need that exclamation point. I'm sitting there saying, yeah, me too. Lord, would you give me stability and contentment regardless of the circumstances? Not just today. Because today's a holiday and the circumstances are pretty minor, I think. But every day. I want to tell you something. I prayed those prayers sincerely with all my heart. The word of God is now sweeter than it's ever been in my life. The delight that I'm finding just in the first week of the new year is really amazing to me. God answers those prayers. He wants his word to renew your strength. He wants to meet you in whatever circumstances you're in, and he wants to fill you with his joy and his strength. He wants to do that, and he'll do it through his word. Okay? Number three, the Bible also gives us wisdom and insight. Say that with me. The Bible gives us wisdom and insight. How do you acquire wisdom? Well, some would say by life experience, so that the older you get, supposedly the wiser you get, because you convert your life experiences into wisdom, and you learn from your life experiences, okay? Secondly, how do you become wise? You become wise by the life experiences of others. Do not discount those who are older among you. Learn from them. They have much to teach you allow their experiences to make you wise. Thirdly, how do you become wise? You become wise, you got it, through the word of God. Look at Psalm 119, verses 97 through 100. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me what? wiser than my enemies for they are ever with me i have more insight than all my teachers for i meditate on your statutes i have more understanding than the elders for i obey your precepts i'm not talking here about knowledge i'm talking about wisdom i met people in my life who can quote more scripture than i can because they have a better memory than i do for scripture they can quote a boatload of scripture but unfortunately their life doesn't always match the boatload of scripture listen i think this i think that if god has a choice between someone who has memorized 105 verses of scripture but doesn't obey any of them versus a person who's struggling to Memorize five verses, but obeys all five. This is where God would land. He wants us to obey what we read and apply it in our lives to become wise. One more. Ready? The Bible fills us with peace. Say that with me. The Bible fills us with peace. My favorite verse in Psalm 119. 165. Say it with me. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. The context of this verse is critical to understanding it. The context is verses 161 through 168, and the psalmist is feeling intense stress and overwhelmed by grief. And this is what he says. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. I started today at 8 o'clock not intending to tell the story I'm going to tell right now. At 9.15, I told it again because I sensed that that was something the Lord was amending. I'll tell it here. Some of you are aware of this story. You've heard me tell it before. On January 28th of this year, my mom will have died 38 years ago in a car accident in Conestoga Township, just off of Sand Hill Road. She died six months to the day before Jenny and I were to be married, five months almost to the day before I would be assigned to my first full-time pastoral appointment as a full-time pastor. At the time of her death, which was on the day that the shuttle Challenger exploded, I was pastoring youth pastoring in Reading Pennsylvania part-time and living in the city of Reading. She passed away in the evening in that accident and my senior pastor and his wife were sent to my apartment to tell me. I'm an only child. As you all know I grew up in New Danville and grew up in a very loving home. Mother and father and then four houses away from my grandparents, who were deeply loving and nurturing to me. When my mother died in that accident, it was devastating to me, absolutely devastating. Great pain filled me, enormous grief. My senior pastor and his wife, Reg and Carol Austin, brought me home from Reading when I arrived at the house in New Danville, on New Danville Pike i walked in the firemen and their wives of new danville fire company were there that was part of our life key members of our bethel church in conestoga our home church were there my family was there the house was literally just full people from wall to wall there was a tremendous amount of grief because my mother was well loved and she loved well and she loved me well she taught me so very much about what it meant to follow Jesus. And when that house cleared out by midnight, we were left with my father, me, and my father's cousin, Nancy Jane, who stayed just because she wanted to make sure her dear cousin, was like a brother to her, was going to be okay and that I would be as well. My father and Nancy Jane literally fell asleep by exhaustion I went to my bedroom and could not sleep. And so about three o'clock in the morning, I got out of bed and went to the back bedroom of our home where there was the bookshelf in our home, filled with books that belonged to me and my parents. That summer, Dr. Lehman Strauss had been one of the Bible teachers at Central Manor Camp Meeting, and I fell in love with his Bible teaching. So I bought three of his books. The first book was entitled The First Person of the Trinity. The second book was entitled The Second Person of the Trinity. Anybody want to guess what the third book was entitled? <laughs> wow, there was only one person at 915 that got that, so you're really good. I pulled off the shelf the Second Person of the Trinity book. Dr. Strauss was an expositor of expositors, which meant that as he would write his books he would include large portions of scripture and then he would explain them i had never felt a grief as deep as i had that evening i had never experienced a pain as acute as that pain and i opened dr strauss's book and i began to read scripture not layman but scripture And I experienced something in my life and learned a lesson that has served me until this very day, made me the pastor that I believe God wanted me to be. I learned that night that in the midst of your greatest pain, you can also experience God's greatest peace and that they are not mutually exclusive that they can go together. We're human. You know that, don't you? We grieve. Jesus stood by the graveside of his dearest friend, Lazarus, and what did he do? The the verse is the shortest one. It's what every kid pulls out of the air when they need a verse. What is it? And in the midst of my deep weeping, great peace was released from God's word. And I describe it to this day this way. It was like a river of peace pierced my pain and flowed right through it. I sat there in that bedroom in New Danville (laughs) grappling with the reality that I am Experienced the greatest pain of my life and also feeling the greatest peace that I've ever known. And they came together. They came together. It's what His Word does. It's what His Word does. From that point on, I learned a number of things in ministry. You don't always have to have the answer for everything. Just have a word from the Lord. His peace, his peace is beyond anything I can give. The Bible, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, Gives us great peace, even in the midst of our great pain. How do you access that? Are you ready for a simple answer? Because it really doesn't involve anything extraordinarily intriguing or awesome. Or, oh my goodness, how did Mike ever come up with that? The answer is this. Read the Bible. Read it for yourself. And read it with others. Now, you got the second part covered because you're sitting here. And to read the Bible with others means to go to church. Let the Bible be read to you and then read it in the message that's being preached. And that way you're reading the Bible with others. But here's the question. Do you only eat on Sunday? Is is the meal that you're going to have here as soon as I'm done the only meal of the week? Whether you go to the diner or George's or... We're going to Coffee Cove, but wherever you go. (laughs) I don't think so. So don't let this meal... Be your last before next Sunday. You need to read the Bible every day. In fact, you need to become a Bible-engaged Christian. Regular reading of God's Word. Maybe you want to get a book like this. That's wonderful. Maybe you want to stop by in the lobby... And pick up the 2024 Bible reading guide right out those doors. And you read through the Bible in a year. I had a conversation with somebody who, well, Pastor Kyle, who's been reading through the Bible every year for years. And he kind of felt guilty because this year he didn't want to read through the whole Bible, wanted to read through a portion of the Bible. And I kind of said, I take the guilt from you because I had the same issue last year. I just decided after having read through the Bible several years in a row, I think I just want to read through the New Testament that year. slow it down and spend some time marinating in the New Testament. What we did for you today is on the insert in your bulletin where there is sermon notes, there's a QR code, scan it. It's going to take you to Ligonier Ministries and over 25, I think 25, Bible reading plans. If you can't find one there, come and see me because there's a problem. You'll find something that will fit you, that will suit you, that will meet your need. Read the Bible. Meditate on it. Ask questions about it. What do I learn about God? What do I learn about myself? How does it apply to me? Study it with others. Friends, I want to tell you something. Men, listen to me right now, men. On January 13th, we're going to have a men's retreat here, 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock, spiritual leadership. I signed up. I need it. I need to understand what it means to be a spiritual leader in an empty-nester household. I need to understand what it means to be a spiritual leader of Grace Community Church, spiritual leader in my community. I need it. I need the Word of God as it's going to be taught and preached in that retreat. Why don't you sign up? Men and women, join the Bible study. Couples, get into a small group. Study the Word of God. And lastly, this. Don't miss this. Obey it. Psalm 119, verse 4 You have laid down your precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Friends, there's no value in just reading it if you're not going to do it as well. So let me ask you a question today Are you presently personally engaged in the Bible? Every day is it part of who you are? Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you and praise you today. Thank you for the teaching of Psalm 119, it's how rich and and freeing it is to be able to understand that this book we hold, this book that's on our apps, is not like any other. It is powerful, it is life changing. So Lord, my prayer simply this morning is that there would be an exponential increase within the Grace Community Church family of men and women who are personally daily engaging the word of God, reading it, and that you would then cause our Bible studies, our men's and women's ministries, our retreat for the men, our connecting uh, ministry for the women to so explode that there would be such a hunger. Men and women, all of us, longing for more of your word. We want to put first things first. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with me. Let's worship.